This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, part two of Drew's conversation with former Rockies pitcher Chad Bettis, as Chad talks about life after cancer. The moments of life get amplified. And I don't know the right way to to say it other than that. And after his recovery, what it was like returning to the mound. Just touching the grass and and soaking everything in. Like, that's what I wanted so badly that day. I didn't care too much about the outcome. Plus, Drew's thoughts on NBA load management, LeBron James, Sean Payton, and Super Bowl prop bets. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to show number 188, and glad as always that you are along with us. Part two of our conversation with Chad Bettis coming up, and uh, you're going to be riveted on uh, on this particular one as Chad talks about his battle with testicular cancer, his comeback, and I think many Rockies fans will remember, baseball fans uh, in general may remember that return to the mound against the Atlanta Braves for Chad in in August a few years back and what a special moment it was. But we'll have more with Chad uh, in a few moments. Of course, Super Bowl Sunday is uh, right around the corner as we uh, tape this. And believe me, I will not bore you with predictions of why and what's going to happen. I will give, because everybody has to, you feel obligated uh, to to give you who I think will win, but I'm certainly not going to bore you with a breakdown. My goodness, if you are a sports fan, you get it everywhere you turn, from the talk shows on television to talk radio to a gazillion other podcasts. So here you go. Here's my prediction. I think Philadelphia wins it. I had Philadelphia playing Cincinnati originally when the tournament started. I had Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl. That will be an impossible uh, occurrence because they're not in it. But I'll ha- I- I'm will i going to take Philadelphia since they were one of my original two participants uh, I think their defensive line is so good that they will cause some issues in the game for Patrick Mahomes, and I like Philadelphia to win, hopefully, a really entertaining game against Kansas City. Now, speaking of entertaining, nothing more entertaining than some of the prop bets. Do you ever take a look at um, at some of the prop bets? You know, a lot of them you know, are straightforward, um, relatively so. Um, First quarter, both teams to score. If it's yes, it's plus 100. If it's no, it's minus 130. First team to get a first down will be the Eagles or the Chiefs. That's, you know, similar odds or actually exact same odds as I'm looking at this uh, right now. But um, there's some some fun ones. First team to use a coach's challenge. Um Will the first half two-minute warning occur with exactly two minutes on the clock? Yes, minus 600. No, plus 400. Um, There there are always some crazy and fun ones like what color Gatorade will be thrown on the winning coach? There could be some inside knowledge on that one, don't you think? Just saying, if you got a buddy who's... uh, you know, one of the equipment guys for either the Eagles or the Chiefs, you probably got a leg up to potentially win that. I always like the length of the anthem, you know, like under two minutes, over two minutes. Well, if you're at the sound check and you're a worker at the stadium or on the television crew in some capacity, that would be uh, insider trading, wouldn't it? Always fun, though, the prop bets. I gotta. I, I never partake, but one of these years, I'm gonna like bet every damn prop bet. I think that would be make the game entertaining, right? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm scooting through this as we, uh, as we have this conversation, and I'm trying to see if there's any other crazy ones that I haven't uh, seen. Nothing tremendous. MVP by winner, quarterback minus six hundred. Any other position plus four hundred. What's a scoreagami? Am I an idiot? I don't know what a scorigami is. Will there be a scorigami? Yes, plus 1,800. No, minus 10,000. The hell is that? Why am I so ignorant that I don't know what a scorigami is? Anyhow, I have Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl. Um, and I'll say, because you got to pick a score, right? I'm going to say 24 20. 
24-20 Philadelphia over Kansas City. So there you have it. Um, I got to go off on a topic that I've been uh, meaning to go off on for some weeks now and became a big deal uh, a few weeks ago when uh, the always entertaining and one of my favorite athletes that I had the uh, opportunity to get to know a little bit, uh, Charles Barkley, went off on load management recently. And I think he was spot on. I mean, he he basically ripped load management. And you see it most frequently in the NBA. And maybe that's why it stands out for me, because you're not seeing it in the NHL. You don't see it in the NFL. I know the NFL, they only play 17 weeks. The only time you'll see a guy sit out, uh, you know, some stars sit out is if a team is clinched. And in week 17, you know, you sit some guys down so you don't get them hurt. Um, and I think that is accepted. But otherwise, I mean, guys play. And I understand it's it's not the same length. Baseball, there are built-in days off. The the uh, We're not going to see many players, though there's still a few, that will play 162. We're not going to see Cal Ripken. Nobody's going to approach that. But you don't have guys that, you know, every third day are taking off. And we're seeing that. And have seen it for the better part of a decade. And it was originated by a guy I respect a lot and a guy who's going to go down as a Hall of Fame coach in Greg Popovich with San Antonio. And he did load management. I think the first time, famously, they had a a nationally televised game against a great Miami team. And it was, as it turned out to be, an NBA Finals preview. Except it wasn't any kind of preview. Because all the star players for San Antonio, Ginobili and Parker and Duncan, they didn't play. They did not play. You remember that. And the league, and I think rightly so, because you got to protect your product. You have to protect your fan base. They fined the Spurs a quarter of a million dollars at the time. The issue is that it goes on regularly now. And I don't think teams are getting fined. And it's not just players. It's not a player going, hey, you know what? I'm not playing back-to-backs. I, you know, I play 35 minutes a night. I'm not playing a back-to-back. That's crazy. Let me point something out that I think you're aware. I'm going to point out a couple of things. First of all, let's take two of the all-time greats. The late Kobe Bryant. He played all 82, man. He played all 82. And he won championships. So it never took away from his ability to perform in late April and May and into June. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played every damn game. Right? He did. And people say, well, they're, you know, they're, they're scoring more points now. It's up and down the floor. Well, first of all, half these guys don't have to run 94 feet anymore because of the proliferation of the three-point shot. So they're running about 35 feet because they're shooting, you know, in the case of guys like Steph Curry, they're shooting balls from 35 feet out. So that's, you know, 10 feet behind the uh, the three-point line. The game is not nearly, as we all know who follow the NBA, as physical as it was in the 90s and the 80s. Not even close. The other story I was going to tell, and I, and I chuckle at this, because I'm big on we all evolve, hopefully as a, individually, as a people we evolve. We know more, should learn um, more from history, certainly. But medicine is better in 2023 than it was in 1923, 1973, 1983. We know more about human body and how it performs, specific more to sports, strength training, speed training, rest, diet. We know all of those things. And we know more about it now today, certainly than we did, you know, 30 years ago. But sometimes we go overboard. And I think in sports, we've gone overboard. Look at the NBA specifically. I remember when I first started covering the NBA, it famously with the Nuggets was the charismatic Doug Moe with his trusty top assistant and lone assistant, Alan Bristow, next to him. And then the 
head trainer, assistant trainer, traveling secretary, guy who made dinner reservations, guys who was, you know, the guys went to him as a team psychologist, team psychiatrist, team therapist, masseuse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Chopper Travellini, Robert Chopper Travellini, who is a legend out here for all he did for so many years for players and for the community because he gave back. That was the threesome. Those were the three suits. Of course, Chopper didn't own a tie. Doug threw his tie off at the start of the game. And Allen you know, was the only level-headed guy of the three. Chopper was tremendous. But it was it was three guys. That was it. Now we have like eight coaches, and I'm not exaggerating. We got a shooting coach, we got a free throw coach, we got a this coach, we got a that coach, we have a this therapist and a that therapist, and a you know, six different masseuses. Is it all necessary? Is some of it overkill? Maybe, maybe you could expand upon what the Nuggets had going back in the day with Doug Mo, Allen Bristow, and, and Chopper Travellini. But I don't know if you need eight. I don't need if you. I, I don't know if you need you know three guys for every player. I think that's crazy, and it just takes me back to what we're witnessing today, where the eighty-two games is a lot. It's a grind. I get it, and these guys are finely tuned and big, strong, tremendous, tremendous athletes. Not taking anything away, but I think between ownership and now coaches. They're making it okay for players not to play in the interest of the playoffs. Guess what? Only one team is going to hold the trophy. And we've seen a lot of teams hold the trophy that didn't necessarily cave into load management. Certainly a few years ago, that was the case. And the reason it bothers me so much is I have a sensitivity, like I think many of you, for the family that that's not you know well to do and is a season ticket holder or you have a company and you you have tickets at your disposal at a regular ba- on a regular basis it's for that family that says you know what look i see that Milwaukee's coming to town on february 18th against the nuggets and i'm going to buy tickets for my family and it's going to cost me you know $600 it's going to be a really expensive night um, but, you know, it's Antetokounmpo and Jokic, and, uh, you know, I, I want my two kids to see it and what a special evening it's going to be. And then, you know where I'm going. They, they show up and, and you know, Antetokounmpo is not playing load management, or maybe it's Jokic who's not playing load management. It's not right. It's not right. The fans pay the freight, ultimately. They pay the freight with tickets and buying beers and parking their cars. They pay the freight when they watch the games on television and watch the ads. You can't just thumb your nose at them. And there are people I have great respect that have kind of fallen in line. I mean, Steve Kerr is on the record as saying, you know, the the season, you know, it's too long. We should play 72 games and then maybe some of this load management will go away. Well, two thoughts on that. Number one, if you want to shorten the season, and, and there are many players who are in favor of that, you, you can't expect to make the same amount of money. So if you are going to play 10 less games, which is what, you know, whatever it is, 10%, it's not quite 10% um, of the season. It's more than that. It's like 12% of the season. Are you going to take 12% less on your paycheck? You know, there, there'd probably be a lot of people saying, a lot of players going, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. And I think the league has been at fault for allowing this to happen. You know, famously, I used the Antetokounmpo and Jokic example. I mean, I think it was when Denver was in Milwaukee earlier this year and Jokic sat out. And I don't think it's all in the players. I think some players want to play, but they're told by, you know, the, the training staff and, and the coach, hey, you're not playing today. It's back to back. Not right. It's just not right. Uh, you know, it, it ticks me off. Look at the Clippers. They're famous for it. You know, Kawhi Leonard, I know he was coming off a, a serious injury in ACL. Or was it Paul George? Paul George had the ACL, excuse me. Um, but those guys, you know, they're always sitting guys out. And they don't even win 50 games. 
They need to do something about it. We, you know, you can we can all point out problems, right? So what's the remedy? The remedy, I, I think the only remedy is the league needs to step forward and contracts have to be written where participation, legitimate participation, um, there, there's an incentive, financial incentive to playing 82 games. And they come up with bogus injuries. And I know they, you know, it drives me nuts in hockey when they, you know, lower body injury, upper body injury. Right. But something needs to be done there. Staying in basketball. LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Congratulations. LeBron James has had a remarkable career. We know that. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar held that scoring record for 39 years. And LeBron, because he's not retiring anytime soon, is going to be you know, well above 40,000 points when he finally does retire. And he may, he may be it. Who knows? He may be it for for a long, long period of time. I guess there's no one within 10,000 points of him uh, currently playing. So my thought on that, or, or a couple of quick thoughts, is, you know, congrats. LeBron's one of the all-time, all-time greats. He's going to end up with 40,000-plus points, 10,000-plus rebounds, 10,000-plus assists, and some championships. I'm still a Jordan guy. I still feel like Michael was the best player, you know, I've ever seen the most competitive player who always, it seemed like, um, performed well in the biggest moments. The other thought I have on LeBron is an interesting one. Um, I was still doing the Nuggets when LeBron came into the league. And I remember talking to one of the Nuggets' top scouts at the time. And there was you know great fanfare around LeBron's entering the NBA. I mean, we know he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a middle teenager. And and the two guys that I think of that were teenagers on the cover of Sports Illustrated uh, that both ended up figuratively and literally uh, hitting it out of the ballpark and living up to that that billing, Bryce Harper in baseball, two-time MVP as we speak, future Hall of Famer, and LeBron James is going to go down as one of the two or three greatest players of all time. Um, but I want to go back to that scout. So I, I was talking um, to said scout of the Nuggets, um, and I said, so what? what's your take on LeBron? I mean, what, who is he going to be? And now remember, LeBron's 18 at the time. And yes, everybody knew his name in basketball circles. And he was the top pick, and he, you know, was was this freakish body, six nine, and and uh, you know, super athletic. But listen, it could have gone the other way with all that attention, all that pressure. He could have been just really good. He could have been a multi, you know, time all star. Let's say right. Well, that scout told me he said within three years. He's going to own the league. And he was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. And I was almost, I was kind of taken aback by that statement. You're talking about an 18-year-old, and you're saying, so by the time he's 21, we're just, you know, looking at him as the best player in the league, and he's going to be the best player in the league going forward for year after year. And he was right on the money. Right on the money. I mean, he could have said, he could have hedged his bet and said, listen, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a perennial all-star. I think he's going to be really good um, in, in a number of categories. He said, no, he's going to own the league. And he was right. He was absolutely right. All right, let's get you to part two of our conversation with Chad Bettis. I uh, hope you enjoyed part one. And as I alluded to a few minutes back, uh, Chad Uh, goes into detail about his battle with cancer, his overcoming testicular cancer, and his return to the big leagues, which was an emotional one, certainly, and obviously for him and for his teammates and for his family, but also, I think, for for all fans looking in. So we uh, look back at a special time in Rocky's history with... um, a guy who's uh, a terrific, terrific guy and somebody I really enjoy uh, visiting with. So this is part two of our conversation. Chad Bettis. When you 
again, reflect on what you went through. Do you feel it, it, it's almost cliche, Chad, to say, well, you know, you have greater appreciation for life and the small things and, and family and 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 you you don't take anything for granted. Does that become a, a literal um, reflective evaluation, if you will? You know, I think um, I think to yes and no. Right. And so I think I think some of it is that when you're when you're in the moment of your going through it, there's at least for me and and maybe there's other people that would be able to speak about it, too. But there's this um, period of serenity, bliss, where everything is just you're at peace. Right. And, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, I may or may not play baseball ever again. You know that all these things are 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 on the back burner. That nobody really knows how this is going to end up, right? What is what is? You couldn't have told me when I was going through chemo that Chad Bettis after that was going to come back from baseball. I knew I was going to. I just didn't know when or how that looked or in what capacity, right? Not to say that I was going to be a baseball player. Maybe it would have been a coach, or maybe it would have been something different. It just happened to be it. Uh, as a baseball player, right? And so I think, I think when you're going through it, I think, I think there's this period of, of, of peacefulness where you're, 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 you're in a, you're in a mode of, of reflecting everything that you might have taken granted and then realigning, right? And I think as you, as you start to come out of that, that mode of being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, being able to know that, hey, I've got less, I'm in single-digit chemotherapy sessions. I'm not in the double digits anymore. I'm at the finish line, baby. And it just gets enhanced, right? It's not that it's that you're not aware of taking anything for granted or or you're not trying to take anything for granted. It's just that the, the moments of uh, life get amplified. And I don't know the right way to, to say it other than that. Um, but it, it, it's not that, you know, I look back and, and, and take things for granted or, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that or, oh man, I wish I would. It's like, it's, it's for me, I think it's, it's all the, the little positive wins, right? The little things are become big wins for some odd reason to me. I don't know why, but it's like, this is great, you know, and it's like, it's not that great. And it's like, no, it is. It's really, really that great. You know, it's like I, I, I give my wife a hard time because most days I get to come home, have lunch with her and because our office is like 10 minutes away, right? It's really nice, super convenient. Yeah. But there are days where I don't get to have lunch with her. And the days that I get to have lunch with her, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. Like, this is amazing. You know, it's it's just like it's it's so funny to me, like uh, the the little things that get amplified now. Where not that I wouldn't really appreciate having lunch with my wife before chemotherapy, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I think it's just uh, you get you get realigned in that in that that uh, that model for whatever that's worth, and then coming out of it, it's like these little things that just get amplified that you know, for no reason are like monumental, right? And I think it's it gets back to a little bit of the V Foundation, right? I think it's 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 his mantra, right? Live, laugh and cry. Or love love what is what did he say? Uh yeah, gotta, I mean have to have those three emotions, right? Cry every day. Yeah, if you if you can I think I think it's you know, love, <laughs> laugh, cry, if you you know, if you get those three things out in the same day, what a day, man! Right? Exactly, a hundred percent. Like, I, I, I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, I get chills every yeah. time I hear that, and and that's what you're talking about, man. I'm getting chills listening to how you articulate it, you know. And, and that, it, Chad, that's exactly right. Not that's truly not taking anything for granted. Um, our significant other, and, and just being able to have uh, you know have a bite with with your wife at you know at twelve thirty for forty five minutes, whatever it is, right? Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, here was a literal win. It, it's a day. I have to be honest with you that you know I'm very 
fortunate, blessed to do what I do, and you, you call countless games, and, and they all they they kind of all you know meld together to in some regard. But there are moments that certainly stand out, and and one of those that you know you kind of won't forget for me was. And you know where I'm going with this, August 14, 2017, when you returned and you pitched seven shutout innings against the Atlanta Braves. And there, there's one thing in particular I'll lead you to in a moment. But before I get to that, what was the lead up to that day, to that start, um, even the hours before? What was that like for you? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think if you, if you would, if you could encapsulate, you know, and it is cliche to say a whirlwind of emotions, um, that's what that was, right? And I think you could say that, and it's like, well, what was it? Was it happy? Was it sad? It was everything, right? I mean, I went in from waking up to, you know, it was uh, the angst, anxiety and anxiousness of, of knowing what that moment meant and felt like. But I think part of it for me, um, more than anything, what was, was that leading up to that moment, I wanted to make sure that I was able to feel everything, right? And I think uh, when, when I had got called up from, for the very first time and made my initial debut in Atlanta against the Braves, way back when, um, you know, it felt just, uh, it felt like I needed to be numb. And not that anybody told me that, not that I, I, it was something that I did to myself for whatever reason, I don't know. But uh, it was like, I'm here to do a job and help us win, which which is still true. I mean, even even that day, I was there to help us win. But at the same point, it was something that I felt like I wanted to enjoy every bit of it. And so, you know, waking up and being to the point of uh, anxious to almost throwing up, like I've never thrown up before start ever, and I almost did that day, to being angry, right? Like, oh, I'm so ready for this game. They don't even know, like, angry in a great way, right, to the happiness and joy of, of oh, my goodness, we're here. And what is that going to feel like when, like, I'm just going out there to stretch, right? Not even, like, going out on the mound to throw the first pitch or throw my warm-up pitches. It was like, what's this going to feel like being back-to-back, like, suited up and, in my in my black, you know, like my favorite jersey ever, and you know, just touching just touching the grass and and soaking everything in. Like that's what I wanted so badly that day. I didn't care too much about the outcome. And for me that's that's what was really uh special to me about that day because I think uh it was, I don't know, you know, it was just like I was there having a great time. Because I remember I almost, I gave up a triple to Edgar, Edgar Enciarte because Para was going to try to make a sick diving play, ball slid under him, rolls to the wall, and then he hoses him out at home. And it's like, wow, like that whole, that whole play encapsulated my, my whole day. And it's like, okay, well, here we go. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I, I, that whole, that whole day is just ingrained in my memory, and it will be forever. You know, I think it's, uh, it was one of those Jimmy V days, we'll say. It, it was not only, I, I can't, I'm not even gonna try. I can't. No one can walk in your shoes, but from a from a broadcast spot, from a fan's perspective, not just with the Rockies, it became the biggest story, um, I, I think, beyond baseball that day. It was the biggest story in sports. And and what 
naturally, you know, the script of it, it would have been a victory, as you said earlier, a figurative victory, just you getting back on the mound. And if you, you know, if you gave up four runs and two and two thirds, you know, okay, but you were back out there, you were back competing, um, you had won regardless. But to throw seven shutout, and then one of my favorite images, because we both know this guy well, you from a from a different standpoint as an athlete, but I adore Buddy, and I and I think Buddy Black um, has great humanity. I think Buddy ba- Black treats his players um, like like his own children, if you will. And to see him, and I can see it now, and he was sitting next to you when after seven shutout innings, and you know your day was going to be done, and the way he looked at you, and kind of the way you looked at him. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was one of those kind of teary eyed moments, but it was, you know, pride and so many things, but uh, I'm going on too long here. I want to get your perspective on that moment and what you remember of it when he sat next to you and you chatted. Yeah. You know, I think, um, first off, I was upset that he didn't make me in. Let's say that. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> No, you know, I think um I think Buddy and I have a have a really unique relationship, right? And I think I think a lot of it is because initially when he first came in to the rock show, right? Like it, it was um you know, coming off of off of a off of a strong year, ready to go, ready to ready to see what I could do the next year, help lead the team, help lead the help lead the staff. Um, and then, you know, kind of got the news and then it was like, he checked in on me and was like, Hey, how are you doing? It's like, you know, this isn't how I initially started thinking, thought that our relationship would get started. Right. It's like, right. man, this is like, we're driving, we're diving in deep, you know, like right out of the gate. Hey, really great to meet you. I'm really excited about you, but here's what's happening. And, you know, I think it's just, I think it's, it's laughable now because of everything that, that we've been through together and and all the success that he's had with the rock show and, 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 you know, how he's helped our helped, not just our pitching stuff, but, you know, just, just the, the, the club in general. But I think for me, really, I think when, when we go back to that day and, and that time, you know, I think um, it, it was right. It was, it was everything that we knew it could be that was bottled up in a handshake Right. And it was all the emotions that you described. Right. It was, wow, you know, prideful. He was in my corner the whole time. Right. He wanted I think he probably would have left me out there, but he was like, there's no way I, I can do that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I, I think um, I couldn't have talked him into it anyway. So, it was, you know, I think it was just, uh, again, you know, I think there's so much respect um in that moment and uh I, it, it's hard it honestly it's it's hard to explain in 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 words because i think uh of the special bond that we have and had um you know i think it's it it was it was a it was a moment actually as a matter of fact that i'm looking at right now in my office at home you know i think it's 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 on it's literally it picture framed up do you, you have that you have that still picture great yeah yeah and you know it's just uh it, it again you know i think that whole day um is just encapsulated with what feels like you know moments that stood still and that's one of them you know like i don't i don't feel like there's a lot of times at least to date yet uh where you know, there's there's been times in my life where where moments have stood still, right? I can count on some hand, one hand, really, the 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 moments for me that have done that right now, right? And that was one of them. And I think uh, it was just it was it was great. It was it, it's it's it, I get emotional thinking about it. Yeah, understandably, Chad. Have you um, gone back? Uh, at times or ever and, and watched that ball game? I haven't. No, I haven't actually. Um, and not because I don't want to watch it. Like I wouldn't mind watching it, you know? Um, but I think, I think being able to like, it was more 
for me, it was more about being in the moment where, like, I think even just rewatching it, I mean, I, well, I say I haven't. I, I, Spitly made me rewatch it on one of his shows or something. And it was yeah. like, what are you doing? How dare you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think from end to end, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it all. Um, because it's just that, you know, it's that perfect moment in my mind that I lived. And yeah. do I, would I want to rewatch it? Sure. Like, but do I need to? No, not at all. You know, it's like, I was there. I, you know, it was, it was something that, um, it's like this perfect moment. Maybe one day with, with, when the kids are a little older, perhaps. Yeah. 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 It's funny too, because Evs is like, uh, you know, like when I went out to fantasy camp, she was like, daddy, you're going to go play for the Rockies. And it's like, eh, I'm not going to go like, I'm not, no, I'm not. not, <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, she, she, she still remembers. Right. And I think that's, for me, that's the one, the one thing that I will miss with Clara, our, our youngest, is that she'll just, she'll see pictures and, and have these other, like, things that show that I used to play, right? Like, she won't remember going to the field. Um, it's funny, like, Everly was talking to me one of, um, just the other day about when, when we went to Chicago and she was like, Daddy, it's so windy there. <laughs> you're so like that is unbelievable that you even remember that. But it's just, you know, I think uh, it's special moments, you know, that 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 our family shares. But I think, uh, yeah, when 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 they want to watch it, we'll we'll watch it together. Did anything else, baseball wise, after that night mean anything? Or I, I don't want to say it didn't mean anything, but. You you knew you had the ultimate victory, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, after that evening. Do you look at it in that regard, or do you look at it differently? Um, I think it was, you know, in reality, I think, I think it was a, a significant victory, right? I think, I think it would be ridiculous to say that it wasn't. I think it would be. Um, acting as if it was just a casual thing. Like, for me, it was a big deal. Um, you know, it would be up there with a lot of the other things that I did with the rock show. Um, but in reality, you know, what would have been better was to win the World Series, right? <laughs> like, I think, you know, I think uh, there's things that would encapsulate beating that for sure, right? And, and um, you know, being able to be part of those those two playoff runs back-to-back, you know, it's like – that is, that's what, uh, that's what every baseball player wants, right? We want to play really meaningful baseball in October. And, uh, you know, not to shy away from it, but that, that, you know, playing October baseball is, 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 is and was, you know, a little better than it would be up there. That's for sure. I think, I think it's hard to say it is, was it better or not? You know, I think it would have been different if we would have gone a little bit further for sure, you know, but I think, um, you know, there is nothing like winning. And I will say that, right. I think, I think that is ingrained in, in every competitive, highly competitive in a toxic way that, you know, winning is addictive and, it is is it's it's what matters, right? I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, are are we winners or are we did we not win? And it's what fuels you. It's what 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 keeps you wanting to get better. It's what keeps driving you. Um, and I think that to me, it's it was it was a it was a significant victory. But you know, I think there were other times and uh, situations that would be substantial as well. We'll have more of Drew's conversation with Chad Bettis right after this. Hey, I got out of my car today, and and my garage is a mess. My floor is a mess, man. Mud, cake, dirt, all that stuff. And I'm thinking about, I got to get a steel power washer. 
I'm going to wait a little bit because there's no point in doing it right now. We got more snow, more cold weather coming, but I'm going to get one of those steel power washers to go along with my other steel products, STIHL. You can get yours also at steelusa.com. They got a plethora of great items, but I got to clean up that garage. And the only way to do it is power wash the heck out of it. And uh, that's uh, that's for the spring. But check out all of the tools they have. You can order online and then go pick them up at one of 10,000 steel dealers around the country. And as I like to say, because there's more than 10,000, you have one right around the corner from your house. Um, go look at their products. They're outstanding. They're the best on the market, small, medium, and large, electric, gas, and my favorite, battery powered and the battery powered stuff is legit so check them out steelusa.com s-t-i-h-l steeldealers.com boyer's coffee uh right before i started uh, chatting with you on this podcast i made uh, another order for boyer's coffee uh to the house i got sumatra i got uh some great flavors coming my way including chocolate cherry it's out this month. Chocolate cherry. I love the flavored coffees, man. And I love shopping online at uh, Boyer's Coffee because they have um, they have fun products. They always have new flavors going on. I've told you in the past, I'm a K-Cup guy. Um, I'm usually going through two or three in the course of a day, which is kind of interesting to, because I was not one of these coffee drinkers up until about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And now, over the last half dozen years, I'm all in on Boyer's. And I love their story. 1965 started here in the Rocky Mountain region. They're Denver based, they're environmentally conscious, um, and they're a great, great success story. And if you've been around for going on 60 years, you have to be really good, and they are. And you have to make great product, which they do. So give them a try if you have not already. You will be a convert. It's boyerscoffee.com, boyerscoffee.com. Now back to Drew with Chad Bettis. One of my favorite times of the year, and it used to come, um, as you know, in late January, right before the Super Bowl, was fantasy camp, and now they've moved it after COVID to the first part of November. But, um, you know, just being around all of you guys you, um, that, that played prominent roles over the years with the Rockies from, you know, my partner, you know, Ryan Spielboards to, you know, to, obviously Jeff Houston wasn't a, wasn't a Rocky, but he was a longtime big leader, but you know, Tito, Brian Fuentes and, and Corey Sullivan and all, and all these guys that are, that are close friends and, and have become close friends, even if you guys didn't uh, overlap, how often, when you all get together, do you think back to uh, of the ones that it applied to, you know, the 2018 that you were just talking about where it was a dead heat with the vaunted Dodgers after 162? I know. I know. Uh, I know. No, you know, I think um, I think that's what that's what I think is 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 really special. And I think that's what, um, you know, being able to come back as not a player, um, because I'd done I'd done fantasy camp. Uh, before when I was still playing with the Rockies, but now that I'm, you know, retired and, and I was able to, uh, be welcomed back and have the opportunity to do it again, um, and, and, and really get to know Tito a little bit better, solely, uh, you know, Francis, uh, still, it's already now, right? And, and being able to be around them and just hear, you know, like how, uh, how ingrained that run was for them, right? I mean, it is the same thing for us in 2018, right? And 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 the grind, and the absolute grind that it was to go from 163 to Chicago to Milwaukee to back home, right? It's like, but that's what you live for, right? And I think that's what that's what made that that time so special. And I think it, it is something that. Uh, you're able to reflect back on and 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 share those moments, right? I think that's that's what you see, especially in fantasy camp, right? I mean, with the guys that had that run in '07, I mean, that's what that was, right? And 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 they were the, they were right there, and it's hard to argue with them about them if they didn't have that layoff, not layoff, but you know, if they didn't have that if they didn't have that break for as long as they did. There's nobody going to stop them. Literally, like, 
it's hard to argue that stance. And, and I, 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 I believe it. They were the hottest team in the world. Yeah. And, and just ended up, you know, and it ended up not working out, but it, it's, there's a lot of, again, but I do think, uh, you know, being around them and, and being able to connect with them and, and also, you know, just hear some of their stories from back then and, and when they competed together and, and, you know, the, the fun that they had. I think that's, I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what this is all about. Yeah. Speaking of fun. All right. Here, here's something that'll be, that'll be fun for you. Just a couple cat. I just thought about this earlier. Couple categories from, from your time as a Rocky, who was, who was the most intense teammate you had? I would say either Nolan or Chuck. And, and I think both of them are a little bit different, right? I think, um, Nolan is extremely intense, has to want to win, needs to win. We want to help him win, right? I mean, he's a winner. And he does everything that he does, that he needs to do to be able to put himself in that, that best possible situation to be able to win every time and everything. Um, but what people don't see, like, you know, it's like he'll joke around. He likes to, he likes to be, he likes to be funny sometimes, right? Like in the, in the locker room or whatever, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's when, when he gets ready and when it's business, he, he suits up and it's, and it's go time. Chuck is kind of like a starting pitcher to me for some reason. Like he'll, he'll roll into the field and he's like, don't talk to me. I don't like pitchers. I don't even care if you're my pitcher and don't talk to me. And, and he's still that way. Like we rolled up the last year to go see him, uh, Boone Logan and I, and, you know, it's like we see him off the field, we go out to dinner, and it's a great time, and we have a good time. And then we get to the field, Boone and I, and we roll up early because we we, we want to be, you know, cognizant of everybody's time, and, and we want to make the rounds and, and say hi to everybody, but respect their time because they got a game to play, right? And uh, Chuck's like, hey, get out of the training room. Like, I'm trying to prepare. And it's like, Chuck, it's it's two. The game's at seven. But it's good, you know. I think, I think, uh, honestly, I think for me, those those guys. I mean, you can go down the list, right? I mean, I think it's it's hard to say, but I would say, like, definitively, those two guys. Um, but also, uh, man, Wade Davis. Like, when he's locked in and he's he's keyed in, he was. I mean, you know, he's 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 the best at what he he did. And I think it, it's uh, people didn't get to see that side of him, but he he was extremely intense in the moments that he needed to be, and it was great. It was like I think I think that those three guys. Yeah, the, you know who I thought you might mention also was DJ because DJ had a quiet. Yeah, DJ DJ's quiet though. So DJ's like uh, he'll he'll he I would say he is intense in a, in a different way. Yeah. I got, I got, hey Chad, I got a great one for you. I've told this story before, but this is, this is encapsulates who Charlie is. Because Charlie, Charlie truly, and you would know better than anyone, is two different cats. He is, he is a completely different guy away from the field. But when he comes in, he locks in, whether it's a broadcaster or a member of the media, you know, Paul Egan's, who's the greatest in the world, right? Traveling ex secretary, teammate, doesn't matter. He's locked in. So, I'm going to leave names out of this because we didn't show this, but there was a starting pitcher who got removed from a game a couple of years ago, and he was, I mean, he was irate and, and you know, throwing stuff, and he was pissed, and Carlos Estevez is there trying to calm him down. Herman Marquez is there trying to calm him down. So it's like there's like a 10-car pile up in the dugout, right? And it's right next to the stairs, Chad. And Chuck walks up walks past the 10 car pileup and did not even glance in that direction just walked by and continued on his way to I don't know go get his batting gloves and put his helmet whatever he was doing nothing else mattered and I'm telling you this was an event going on in the dugout but to Charlie he was oblivious <laughs> uh, I believe it that's yeah. not, like stuff like that doesn't surprise me 
Yeah, I just, I mean, it's crack. Okay, who was, um, who was the funniest or slash biggest character of the guys you played with? And I'm thinking of some candidates, but uh, you, you take it away. Interesting. Funniest guy, Tony Papers. Yeah. Okay. He was like everybody's little brother. Tony and, Walters. And 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 he was. I mean, he is hilarious. I think uh, just just some of the, just some of his silly antics. Um, Anderson, pretty good. Anderson's pretty funny. Tyler Anderson, huh? Tylerson, Tyler Anderson, sneaky funny guy. Yeah, because he's an intense guy too now. Oh yeah. Oh no, I know, I know. But when he's when he's not like, hey, when he's not when he doesn't have to be locked in, he that, he's funny. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well. I I got one for you, Chad. Let let you embellish because I thought this guy, Para. Yeah, Cargo. you know where I'm going. Yeah, par, well, Cargo's Cargo's out of this world. Is he one of the best teammates you ever had? Hundred percent. I mean, it's hard to like. I mean, granted, I played with a bunch of great dudes. I mean, yeah. it was unbelievable the the time that I got to come up, the the people I got to play with, and the relationships I got to you know form. But yeah, man, cargo, unbel- like great human being, great person. Para, for me, this is one of the things. Like, let's say, with all due respect to the Pirates, I'll pick them out. Right? They they had, you know, they, they were they were good when Clint was there, but they've struggled. Um, and it'd be a Tuesday night, you know, in the middle of July. You're, you're playing the Pirates, and and you guys are professional. It's not like you're not you're going to mail it in, but maybe the energy is not the same as it would be for Saturday night and the Dodgers in town, right? And Parra would come skidding down the hallway in that little, you know, moped or whatever the hell it was, right? And co- and he'd say, "Come on, MFs, let's f and go," right? And it. I, I don't play, right? But I'm saying, come on, man. All you guys would laugh. And it, ju- it just had to add some juice on a Tuesday night when maybe you didn't have a whole lot of juice. Oh, no, yeah. And uh, ironically enough, when he, he went, when he went over to the Nationals and we played him, uh, what was that? Man, that would have been I had, a couple years ago. 2019, when they won it all. And, yeah. He came through our locker room with his little scooter on. And, oh, man, it it's para to a T, right? But I think uh, he, I mean, I think is, uh, he's hilarious. I love para. para. is one of the, he's a top five teammate for sure. Yeah. Hey, Chad, here's another quick one. Um, so the Rockies roll into D.C. In, the, in their world championship year, 2019. I want to say it's late August. And if you remember, they were, for whatever reason, this record stands out. They were 19 and 31. After 50 games, they were 12 under 500 that year. And then they, you know, they went on a run. And FP Santangelo, who's now doing radio out in San Francisco, but was their analyst on television for a number of years, former player. And, and I asked FP, you know, we always compare, you know, compare notes when you get into a new city and, you know, what's going on with your club, et cetera. And I said, FP, you know, you guys have turned it around. What, what's been the difference? And I thought, you know, he's going to mention, you know, Zimmerman got healthy or, you know, this guy's going off or Strasburg's been, you know, nails and, and Scherzer. He didn't skip a beat, Chad. He said, Para. He goes, Gerardo Para, who was like a pickup, you know, midseason. And he was coming off the bench. By uh, the Giants, right? I mean, I think that was that year where he ended up signing late with the Giants in spring training, got dropped, and then went to. Or, or I don't did he get I don't know if he got DFA or if he got what or how he ended up with the Nationals, but I remember that acquisition happening, and I was like, I was like, that's interesting move to me because the Nationals were dangerous enough, and then you add just enough like the right fuel to the fire, and like that's not surprise. It's in reality. I'm really happy for him. It's not surprising to me one bit. Yeah, and you and you would know better than anyone again, being his teammate for a while. But that's he didn't skip a beat. He goes Gerardo Parra, a guy who would get you know like four at bats a week, and he you know he had some big hits, but it, was, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with you know he started the baby. What are the baby diner? What was that thing? The, yeah, the baby shark. Yeah, yeah, baby yeah. shark thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it took off, and 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 
they, they it, it strengthened their clubhouse, etc. But uh, I always I always found that uh, you know the the dynamic of a clubhouse and the different personalities I find that to be to be fascinating, and it's something you take with you. Uh, you know, as you've transitioned to what you're doing now. The, it's hard to replicate clubhouse. It's hard to replicate locker room, isn't it? Oh no, it is. It is. But at the same time, like I think because I, I had the privilege of being around, um, you know, that kind of first class, those first class individuals, and had that kind of atmosphere. Um, you know, even when Cuddy, right, and Cuddy and Hawkins were here, um, I remember them, right, and the impact that they played and. And the the benefits that that were that helped the Rockies when they were there when I was first coming up um, come through right and I think a lot of it is it sometimes takes time right this typically those kinds of locker room cultures aren't those aren't light switches you can now on the flip side you can you can take a piece and plug it in or take it out of a locker room. And you'll destroy it. You'll destroy the culture. Yeah. But if you but it but if you do it the right way and you add the right pieces, right, then then it it can be and then and then you go out of para out of nowhere, right? Plug him in and then you go win a World Series. It's it's pretty it's pretty wild. By the way, uh, do you ever run into Latroy? He's up there in North Dallas, still, isn't he? I haven't. No, I need to reach out to him. I know he's doing some uh, doing some stuff for the Twins. Um, I, I've, I've, I haven't ran into him, but I've, I've heard him on a couple of shows and, and, and I've seen them on TV and around, but, uh, I haven't, I haven't connected with him. I got to reach out to him. Yeah. He's one of my all timers and, and Kadire as well. Two, two great A people, man. Yeah. Cuddy, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. I'll leave you with this one. Um, coming back full circle to your Lubbock days, Texas Tech. There's an event. I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with it because it's not your sport, but there's an event coming up called the Super Bowl. And there's a team playing from Kansas City that's got a former Red Raider that's kind of running the show and he's sort of a big thing. Um, do you know Mahomes at all? I, so I know, so I know him through Latroy because Latroy knows his dad real well. And, and 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 ironically enough, Latroy I think is his god. He that's true. That is that is fact. He's that's he's his god. That's how I know him. I I I haven't had the privilege of, uh, you know, meeting him face to face. But right. I've only heard fantastic. Like I'm so I'm such a Mahomes fan that uh, I'm wishing him the best. So you so you're the the Bettis household will be all in. Um, in Frisco, Texas, come uh, come Super Bowl Sunday for the Chiefs and for Patrick Mahomes. Oh, 100%. You got the guns blazing, the, the Red Raider guns blazing, right? Yes. That, that, that's what I figured, but that'll be fun. I, I knew that you guys missed, um, you know, you, you're a little older than him, obviously, but uh, uh, some people don't realize that he pitched for, for a minute at, at Texas Tech as well, didn't he? Yeah. I will, I'm not sure about that, but... If you're telling me, it's because I know that you did your homework. Yeah, I believe. I, you know, I know that spring practice, all that gets in the way. But I, I think he pitched for for a little bit, and and I know he was well thought of naturally in high school. Of course, his dad was pitching in the big leagues, etc. No, I knew I knew that there was like a transition period at a, at the point in time where he was like trying to figure out if he wanted to play baseball or if he wanted to play football, and um, and let's just say he he did he's he's on the right path. You're unbelievable. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't have done nicely in baseball, but I think he made the right decision. No, yeah. I think he made it. Hey, Chad, man, it's been it's been awesome uh, catching up. Hang on one sec uh, as we bid you farewell, but continued success and great health with, with you and your family. And um, I know we'll see you at some point during the season, um, but uh, it's always good catching up, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I'm thrilled for Chad. Chad is in a really good place and I've gleaned that from spending some time with him as I said in November uh, at fantasy camp and not every athlete who retires and I'm sure Chad you know probably looked at his retirement and felt like man I wish I could you know get another three four five years out of uh, out of my body but he was able to you know move on and not look back 
in the sense that so many athletes have trouble making that transition. They, they've known only one thing their whole life, even if they have other interests, other ambitions, it's hard to move out of the locker room, move out of that competitive world. And Chad seemingly has done it um, exceptionally well. And, um, you know, he's healthy, most importantly. And, uh, again, big thanks to Chad for, uh, for joining us. He's a guy that uh, when he played, you really rooted for and you continue to do so. Hey, one note on the Rockies. We're going to be getting big into the Rockies because we're about a week away from pitchers, and not even a week away, a few days now uh, from uh, pitchers and catchers uh, going to spring training. And, and uh, I'm starting to get pumped, man. I was listening to my man Spilly on uh, on MLB radio the other day, uh, along with Brad Lidge out of Cherry Creek, who was great closer, as you know. And they were talking about the rule changes, and they were having a conversation about the WBC. They had Brad Osmus on as the bench coach for Team Israel. And it just, man, it starts to get my juices flowing this time of year. So um, really looking forward to getting out of spring training in a few weeks and and getting going. Um, the, the two quick notes I'm going to give you on the Rockies. So you know there's a difference in the schedule for all teams. Every team will play every other team in Major League Baseball for the first time this year. I think it's going to be pretty cool. It'll be different where all fans and everybody involved in baseball is used to playing 19 against the other teams in your division. Um, now it's down to 13. So the Rockies will only play 13 against the Dodgers, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, and the Padres. And that's two less series. It's big. And, and so it puts even more pressure probably when you match up with those teams um, if you're in contention to do well against those teams since you're playing them less times. The other interesting note, because you're playing not more road games, but you're playing every other team in baseball and the American League teams, you know, it's a split. You know, half will come here and, and the Rockies will go to the other half. So it's added 8,212 air miles to the Rockies travel schedule from a year ago. I don't know where you want to file that, but I just thought that was um, interesting. Before we bid you adieu for show number 188, Sean Payton, we talked about it last week. He's now the Bronco head coach. He had his press conference, which was a winner. He won the press conference. He's undefeated in the press conference. And, and the, the couple of takeaways I had from his press conference this week were... As I had stated when the Broncos got rid of Nathaniel Hackett, is that they are now going to have to hire somebody who's been a head coach because you can't hire a four-straight coach, even though I really like D'Amico Ryans a lot. It just made it more difficult to go that route. So clearly, my thought on my initial thought on Sean Payton, he's been there, he's done that. He is, you know, a true adult in the room in that. He's handled the media many, many times, been a longtime coach. It felt that way. The two other things I will mention, his answer to, which was kind of a backhanded shot at Hackett, is that, you know, I've, I've been there, done that, and I don't think you're going to have to have the crowd counting down uh, the play clock for me. <laughs> I, I think everyone chuckled. Again, backhanded shot, but it's why... The Penner group, the Walton group, went out and hired a guy that has had success and has been a head coach, and so it's not going to be foreign territory. <clears throat> the other thought was an obvious one. They had a little bit of a get-together with Sean Payton after his prepared remarks and uh, answering some questions on uh, the podium, and he was asked about Russell Wilson having, you know, a, a quarterback, his own personal quarterback coach in the building. And I think it also alluded to some of the other perks that Russell Wilson enjoyed. And his response was, I'm not too familiar with maybe how that was. Look, it's kind of one of those where, you, you know, you really knock the rearview mirror off the automobile. We're just looking forward. And with that response, it's pretty clear there's a new sheriff in town. And that's as it should be. And I'm not piling on Russell Wilson. And I know quarterbacks 
have a certain stature. They get probably too much of the credit when you win. They get too much of the blame when you lose. Um, it's the most important athletic position in team sports. Uh, so I, I get all of that. Um, but given how last year went, I think it was important that, as Sean Payton said, there'll be coaches on our staff and there'll be players and that's it. So good for him. Those are my two two or three takeaways from the Sean Payton uh, press conference. And now we'll just have to wait and fast forward to next uh, September and see how it starts playing out on the field because nothing else matters really till then. Again, big thanks to all of you for um, telling your friends and for listening uh, each and every week. We appreciate it. Big thanks again to Chad Bettis for joining us the last uh, couple of weeks. We'll start to get into that baseball theme a little bit more. Enjoy the Super Bowl Uh, everyone. And also uh, thanks to my man, Marky, and uh, to the good folks at Steel and Boyer's Coffee. Talk again in seven days. Stay well, stay safe. 